Uh, this bulletin is gorgeous this week. Um, you know, I, I sat and hand-painted this image here for the door. No, this is an actual image uh, we got off the computer. But I want you to look at those two doors shut with the chains on it. I need to let that picture sink in. Uh, I want to thank Lori for what an awesome job this bulletin is. But the title of today's sermon is, is And the Door Was Shut. And I loved this image because you are not getting in these doors. And that's what I wanted us, I wanted that message conveyed this morning. So if you are in Matthew 25, I want to read uh, the first 13 verses. This is the parable of the ten virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took, uh, took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now this is a parable. But in this parable, we're talking about a first century Jewish wedding. Now normally, the bridegroom with some of his close friends, would leave his home and go to the bride's house where various ceremonies were performed. Now, weddings back then were a big deal. We're talking several days upwards of a week sometimes. They were a big, big deal. And the bridegroom with his bride would leave the house and there would be a great procession at night. Therefore, they needed these lamps or these torches because they would go from the bride's home back to the grooms. And this is where they would enter in to feast. Now, these ten virgins could have easily been bridesmaids or just part of, part of the, the entourage of this wedding, invited. But they expect to meet the groom as he comes from the bride's house. That's their expectation. But there was a delay. There was a great, great delay. See, everyone in this procession was expected to carry his or her own, her own torch, okay? And those without a torch would be assumed to be not part of the group, almost like a, considered a party crasher, if you will. You can't be part of this. You don't have your lamps trimmed. They're not burning. And this is a procession. This is a procession from her house to mine where we're going to feast. So the festivities, which might, like I said, include several days up to a week, would formally get underway at the groom's house. This is just Jewish tradition, folks. The torch was either a lamp with a little canister of oil that you could fill with a little wick. Most likely, it was a stick 
with the rag soaked at the end of it, that's most likely what it was, in oil. And of course, this rag would require occasional re-soaking, if you will, to maintain the flame. So it's just a Jewish wedding ceremony, but the parable speaks volumes. First, I want to clear up a couple things, because yes, once again, mankind has created division. There's this huge debate. Are we talking about second coming? Are we talking about rapture? Well, let me explain something. This is a sermon from uh, the, uh, the Mount of Olives. This is what we call the Olivet Discourse, and it's part of the eschatological teaching, which is the end times. Folks, really and truly, this is about Israel. It's about Israel. The church is with God. So when you have the bridegroom, who is Jesus, we know the bridegroom is Jesus, and he collects his bride, the bride is the church. We are saved. And as he heads to the marriage feast, we go with him. So here's the thing. Whether we're talking about the rapture of the church or whether we want to talk about the second coming, all took lamps. All ten took lamps. See, we're not divided over rapture and second coming because the point is crystal clear. The message is clear. It's about being prepared and ready. All took lamps. Five were wise. Five were foolish. Why were they foolish? Because they did not bring oil. And a lot of people see oil as the Holy Spirit. They did not bring oil. There was a great delay. Their torch was slowly burning out. How were they going to re-soak it? They did not bring oil. But then there was this cry because they all slept. Folks, all of them sleeping is not a big deal. The wise were asleep too. So we're not saying they're foolish because they were asleep. All were. But there was this great cry because of the delay. Here's the bridegroom. Here he comes. Get up. Trim your lamps. We got to go. The procession is coming. Are you ready for it? So they rose to trim their lamps. But the five foolish did not have oil. And so what did they ask? They asked if the others would share, and sharing is great, especially in our Christian walk, but not in this sense. Guess what I cannot share with you? I cannot share with you or transfer to you my faith or belief. I can't. I can't cover you. My love for God, I can't allow that to cover you as well. It's a personal relationship. It's a personal thing. This lands in your lap. Your wife can't get you into heaven. Mom, you can't get your kids into heaven. It's a personal thing. There is no sharing of the oil. Yet they wanted them to share. So they said, no, your lamps are going out. You need to go and get oil. See, the prepared people were what we call at the ready. They were ready. They were prepared for the bridegroom even in delay. As a lot of Christians today, when's God coming back? When's he coming back for us? We don't know. Yet we're ready and prepared. And we enter into that marriage feast. And what happens when they entered into the marriage feast, folks? The door was shut. The others did come. Oh, I believe now. I got my, I'm prepared. I'm ready. No, the door was shut. They said, Lord, please open to us. Open to us. And words I never want to hear. I don't know you. Could you imagine God looking at you and saying, man, I don't even know you. The door was shut. Folks, there are a few doors that I would like to talk about with you today. This is not a long sermon. This is not a long sermon. But there are a few doors I want to talk to with you about. Doors that are open now. 
And I am very moved by this because of an event that happened this week, and I'll share with you soon. But let me ask you this. How long are these doors open to you? That remains to be seen, doesn't it? Why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because there are two things that can close these doors permanently. One is death. Death, it is too late to open a door after you have passed on. It is too late. Another is Christ's coming. Whether in the rapture or in the second coming, which is the full consummation of bringing in His millennial reign. This is after the tribulation. It's final. It's done. It's too late to open a door. There are doors that are open to you today that may be closed tomorrow. That's why the title of this sermon is, And the Door Was Shut. Please, please keep looking at that picture. You can't get in. So let's talk about the door of prayer or the door of communication. Um, In Isaiah 55.6, It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. See, our only guarantee of God answering prayer is now. It's now. Because Proverbs 27.1 says this. Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. And if any of you come up to me and tell me I can predict what's going to happen tomorrow, I'm running for the hills. And don't come to me with the dates when Christ is coming back either. I'll run for the hills then too. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. So let me ask you this. Are you in control? Because to me, that is laughable. We are not in control. I don't care how good a driver you are. Ten and two. Full tank of gas, well oil, brand new tires. You can't control the weather. You can't control the conditions of the road. You can't control other drivers. But you are not in control. You are not. But a lot of people think we are. And a lot of people live that way. You ever heard the phrase, window of opportunity? A window of opportunity, that's a favorable time. A favorable time for doing something um, that must be seized immediately. You have this amount of time to do it. That's your window of opportunity. Um, If you are looking for a desired outcome, right, then you will need to take action because when that window closes, the opportunity is no longer possible. That is frightening. That is frightening to think that the opportunity is no longer possible. Another phrase that we've heard is there's no time like the present. Um, meaning that something should be down now, let's do it now, rather than later. Because, let's face it, folks, will there be a later? Why do we think that we have all the time in the world? Why in the world do we think we have all this time? I have to share a story that I really like. Uh, It's a story of a meeting, you've probably heard this, it's a story of a meeting held between Satan and and his demons, and they're trying to figure out how to trick people into eternal damnation. And folks, let me go ahead and tell you right now, Satan and his agents do not like you. They could care less about you. All they want to do is hurt God. Just like today with this precious dedication of this child. All he wants to do is make sure this kid never is nurtured in uh, a a Christ-like family or a Christ-driven church. 
He wants to make sure that we stay as far apart from God as possible so that he loses us because we're created in his image. He wants a disconnect between us and his God. He wants to hurt God. He could care less about you. But there's this story. One demon said, hey, man, I got a plan how we can trick people into eternal damnation. He says, what is it? Let's whisper in their ears that there's no God. Uh, No, Satan said. Creation declares the reality of God. People are too smart to deny his existence. I mean, there's a few idiots that might be sucked in, but not the masses. All right. Another demon came up and said, hey, what if we whisper in their ears, there's no hell? Okay. Satan said, nah. People innately understand the need for retribution and judgment. No hell, we'll just say, nah, that's not going to work. People are not going to buy that. They're not going to buy it. A third demon said, let me suggest how we might trick them. Instead of saying no God or no hell, let's just say no hurry. There's no hurry. That's it. Satan said, that's it, gleefully. And he commissions his demons to go throughout the world whispering, no hurry. Man, many have lost, folks. Many have lost their sense of urgency. They have lost it. But the cry will come. What is the cry? Here is the bridegroom. So the door of prayer is open now. There is urgency in prayer. If you have a loved one, health conditions, if you have a loved one or a friend of any area of concern, guess what? You may never see this person again this side of heaven. Why? Because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know. Therefore, the urgency in prayer, the door is open now. I'll pray for them later tonight, or I'll pray for them when I get to church Wednesday night. No, the urgency is now they need it. What if this is the last day? But people live under the platform of there is just no hurry, none at all. Let me talk about another door. That's the door of communication with God, the door of prayer. Let's talk about the door of peace or the door of rest. Now, folks, I'm not talking about the final rest and peace that we're going to receive upon entering heaven. I'm not talking about that. And that'll be beautiful, by the way. I'm talking about rest from the worries and stress that this world brings, and my goodness, it knows how to bring them. I'm talking about confusion. I'm talking about all the irritants that can hold a person down. Restlessness. Internal, external, spiritual. I want to read uh, in Genesis for you. I think Nick's going to put it up for us. I want to read from Genesis 7, 11 through 16. It's about Noah. Talking about, let's talk about rest and peace. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons went with them and entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, and every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah two and two of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. 
the Lord shut him in. You know, in Revelation 3, it talks about Jesus is the one who opens and no one will shut. Jesus is who shuts and no one opens. Going back to Noah, folks. And the Lord shut him in. There was one door to that ark. If you don't know the the building of the ark, it's in Scripture. There was one door that you could enter in to find safety and security. There was only one door that you could enter in to be saved from what was about to happen. Now, I know the children's Bibles talk about the mockery and laughter of Noah building this boat. I know that the children's Bibles talk about how they're beating on the door, let me in, let me in. Uh, That's not scriptural. It's not in our Bibles. I get where they're coming from when they present that, but we speculate. But I have to say something. Uh, God-given imagination. I love my imagination. I can picture people looking at this guy going, what in the world is he doing? I mean, he built this boat anywhere from 55 to 75 years. That's a long time to build something. I'm like, give up. Could have bought three boats by now. But he was obedient in following God. And in that building, there was one door and one door only. So I could easily see as the floodwaters, as the deep right underneath started to rise, which would terrify me, by the way, more than the rain, as waters began to burst from the, the underneath, and then the waters uh, from the heavens falling and meeting them in the middle, right? We know that this is, this is death. This is death. I could imagine people running towards high ground. I would. Climbing a tree. Wouldn't we look for somewhere to go up to escape? And easily people could have been running towards that boat had they reached it in time. Let me in, let me in. But guess what? It wasn't Noah. It was God who shut him in. Doors are shut. Doors are open, but when a door is shut, it does not get back open. Not when you are uh, facing death and not when you uh, are experiencing the, the, the return of Christ. The door is shut, that picture. So let me ask you something. Let's talk about Noah a little bit more. When we work hard, when you really work physically hard and you exert yourself, doesn't your body need rest? Let's face it. You work real hard outside, and when at time when you're done, your body just kind of collapses into your chair or on the couch, and you need rest. You probably even sleep really good that night. Folks, it's no different for the mind or heart. Do you know that your heart and your mind need rest as well? Christ not only calls us to repentance, but to rest. I want to read some verses to you that, that, that uh, really bring this to light to help understand the function of our everyday lives. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you know why Jesus said that? Because the Pharisees had made it so difficult adding to the commandments that he had given Moses, they made it so difficult for a regular Israelite to function. Even on the Sabbath, they came up with so many commandments, it was impossible to follow all the rules. You could not do it. They, they set it up where you failed automatically. There was too much to follow. And Jesus is saying, man, forget all that. My burden is light. Connect with me. I'm not going to put on you what they're doing. So many times in this world, we choose to allow ourselves to be yoked to that kind of burden in this world. 
And Christ is calling us out of that. Enter that door of peace. Enter that door of rest. What about Isaiah 26.3? You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Folks, perfect peace when your mind is stayed on God. We know that our minds can rabbit trail constantly. We know that we can put ourselves in bad positions. We know a lot of times that we're the cause of our stress and confusion. A perfectly stayed mind on Christ helps us find and enter the door of rest and peace. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I use this verse constantly when I, I have no words for you at the loss of a loved one, at the death. I have no words. I pray this verse with you because I don't get it and I don't understand, but I know who does. So was my, why is my mind not fixed on this, on him? Why am I trying to carry the burden and carry the load when he said, man, enter this door, I will give you rest from all of this. Back to Noah. There was one door. They entered in. Folks, can you imagine the chaos that went outside? We did a wonderful study on Genesis uh, Life Group Connections a while back. I mean, the way we see the earth, the mountains, this is how things were formed. It was chaotic. It was disruptive. It was nasty. There was a lot of death. God cleared. He cleared that planet of all the wrong. Everything died. Can you imagine the chaos? Yet entering that door, Noah and his family were perfectly safe, perfectly secure. His family was saved from what was happening on the outside. We have to see our lives very much like Noah's ark. In fact, there's a verse Speaking of Noah, in John 10, 9, this is important. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus Christ is that one door. If you want to be saved, secure, safe, you have to enter that door, and it is open right now. Maybe not tomorrow. God will shut the door. We see that with Noah's Ark. So that's the door of rest and peace that's available to us right now. It's available to us right now. Well, let's move on. The door of salvation, the door of pardon, the door of redemption. There was a rich man. I'm going to paraphrase for time. There was a rich man and Lazarus. Now, I don't know if this is a parable because names are mentioned and it's very unique. Parables don't usually have names. I don't know if it's a real-life account, but I will tell you that the message, the message is striking. <clears throat> so, there was a rich man clothed in purple, fine linen, ate very well at his table. Very rich, he ate very well. Outside his house, there was a gate in which a poor man laid. And, uh, you know, he was covered with sores, and all he wanted was the crumbs that fell from that rich man's table. Just give me the crumbs that fell. The stuff dogs would lick up and eat. Give me that, please. In fact, the dogs came and licked his sores. That's how bad it was, these open sores. Well, this poor man died. He was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died. And in Hades, <clears throat> being in torment, 
He lifted up his eyes, and guess what he saw? He saw Abraham, and he saw Lazarus at his side, and he called out to Abraham, please have mercy on me. Just let Lazarus dip his finger in some cold water and just let him put it on my tongue, just a drop on my tongue. I am in great anguish. This flame is too much. But Abraham said, child, do you remember that in your lifetime? You had good things, good things. And in the same manner, Lazarus, well, he had bad things, but he is comforted now. And besides that, I know you're in great anguish. I get it. I know where you're at. But there's a great chasm between us. You can't cross over to us. We can't cross over to you. It's fixed that way. He said, I beg you. Now we're begging. I beg you, Father, then do this. Go to my father's house. I have five brothers. You've got to warn them. You've got to tell them. I don't want them to end up here like I am. Please go tell them. Abraham said, no. If they do not hear from Moses and the prophets, then they're not going to be convinced if someone from the dead comes. See, the guy was trying to, to negotiate here. Abraham, please, if you are not going to uh, 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 send them um, Lazarus, no, excuse me, I got that confused. I'm sorry, sorry. Let me go back to here. This is what happens when you think too much. Oh, he said, they have Moses and the prophets. I'm sorry, I missed one line. <laughs> he told him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them turn to Moses and the prophets like everyone else did. They have that. But if they don't do that, can you please send Lazarus? Because if someone from the dead comes, they're surely going to believe. And Abraham's like, nah, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they're not going to believe if a dead man comes back. No, the answer is no. See, again, I don't know if this parable's real life. I don't know if it's, it's unique in the Bible and it is a, a real parable, just a, a structured story for us to understand, but the message is so clear. It is absolutely clear. This man was in hell, separated from God forever. There's no purgatory, folks. You cannot praise somebody into heaven. You cannot present good deeds to somebody else to go to heaven. There is no sharing of the oil. So he's separated from God forever. His pain, there's no relief. His anguish, there is no relief. His suffering, his sorrow, it'll last forever. By the way, I've hung out with people that said, man, life's, uh, you got to live life now, man. I'll tell you what, I'll sleep when I die. No, you won't. No, you won't. I'll rest when I'm dead. No, you won't. People on their deathbed that reject Christ, that state, I just want to die because I don't want to feel this pain anymore. Well, it's going to get worse. The pain's going to get worse. You're not going to let, pain's not going away. So many people live, I'll do it later. I'll sleep when I die. I'll rest when I die. I just don't want to feel no pain. No, none of that is real. None of that is real. I often wonder if part of the suffering in hell, I do wonder this, if part of the suffering in hell is the recollection of missed opportunities, right? The recollection of, of when we reject Christ and his gospel. I mean, do you think people in hell look back at the time they had and wasted? Do you think that's part of it where they go, man, I should have, and I could have, and I, oh. My wife had a brother, uh, uncle, excuse me, uh, Dennis. She said I could share this. Dennis uh, lived a hard life. Uh, the, uh, a lot of you have been praying. Elders prayed with me about it. Dennis lived a hard life, and a lot of those choices he made was the reason he was so sick and dying. He was in the hospital refusing hospice. Uh, he finally came to his senses and accepted hospice, but the one thing he would not accept was Jesus Christ. His mother, Brittany's grandmother, 
uh, presented Christ over and over. And the thing that he said was, don't push it, don't push it, don't push it. But the problem is there's only this little bit of time. There's no time like the present. Here's the window of opportunity. i got to present Christ. You're on your deathbed. And Dennis died. Dennis died yesterday. Rejecting Christ. Folks, there are people in our lives walking around us every day that are on their figurative deathbed rejecting Christ. Every day. Is there really no hurry as Satan would have you believe? Because that's what he wants you to believe. Are there those out there who need your prayers now? Because there may, need, there may be no tomorrow for them. There is no tomorrow for Dennis. That door is shut. And I'm wondering what he's thinking now. I wonder if he's recollecting all those conversations with his mom. Folks, i got to remind you, we are not in control. We do not know what tomorrow brings, so now is the time to talk to your Lord and Savior. Now is the time to repent. Now is the time to walk through that door and find the rest and be saved and, and understand the peace that God has called us to and for us to pray on behalf of others who desperately need Him who don't even realize it because there's no hurry. Now is the time, folks, to enter into that peace. I want you to be joyous. I want you to have that peace and rest from this world and rely fully and trust God for everyday function, the practical things of your life. I want you to trust God completely and find the release from the pressures of this world. There is no time like the present. Right now, this is the window of opportunity. Why? Because the door is still open. And that's why I'm going to call the praise team up. Come on up, praise team. I want to have an altar call. And let me explain the point of this altar call. I believe this church needs to turn to God right now because you have loved ones that are sick. You have loved ones that are fighting something. You have people of concern in your life that you know need Christ. And your words can't persuade. You need the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe there's people hurting that need your prayers right now. I believe there's people in this building that don't know Christ. I believe there's a chance right here and the opportunities for you to enter that door of salvation right now. I believe there's people here that are suffering from depression, suffering from anxiety. I believe there's people here that have not found the true rest in Christ that they should be finding, and today's the day to enter that door. Prayer is everything. We could do it right now together. So what I want to do is I want to call all of you to pray with me. The altar is open. If you want me to pray with you, I'm happy to. If you're searching for Christ, here's your opportunity. If you're searching for peace and rest, here's your opportunity. If you know there's other people in your life that desperately need God here's your opportunity folks it's here and now the door was shut so I'm going to take my mic off now and I'm going to ask those to stand with me if you'll come and pray with me up here if you're restricted your altar's right where you sit you pray right where you sit but if you can come up and pray with me right now for this church if you can pray for each other and those that need it I beg you to come and pray with me and if you need to talk to me directly please tap me on the shoulder please come on up